Hello, listeners. This is Under the Water Tower coming at you from Under the Water Tower Fellowship Baptist Church. Um, we are here today, going to discuss some good stuff. And who do we have on board today? Uh, I'm here, Daryl, as usual. <laughs> And I'm here, Joni Wallach, as usual. We have a special guest today. Special guest. It's me. I'm the special guest. This is Kelly Trepane. Yay. Who needs Jamie? (laughs) We need Jamie. Come back. She is sitting in Jamie's seat. Just enjoy yourself in Greece. We'll do all the podcasting. Yes. (laughs) No, seriously, come back. (laughs) (laughs) If you are listening to this, we would like you back. We haven't burned anything down yet, by the way, but, you know... We might. But if the you power of yet. Right. Power of yet. It's a, it's a big word. It is. Well, today mm-hmm. our topic is, it's a topic, but it's not like the last few episodes. This is our fourth episode, right, Misty, of season three? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> episode <laughs> four, Sorry, season resist. three is correct. Um, and today it's more kind of, we're each going to have the opportunity to, to talk about ourselves to a certain degree. And it's part on something that I've listened to on another podcast. Um, I listen to way too many podcasts, but on one of them, they open every week and she asks the um, person being interviewed, what kind of spiritual map were you given um, as, as a child or growing up directly or indirectly? And by spiritual map, what she means is, you know, some of us went to church, maybe some of us didn't growing up. But um, even in that context, there's a certain kind of uh, guidance that our parents, our guardians, maybe a coach, a teacher, whoever was most influential, it kind of became our worldview, our way of thinking, okay, this is how you navigate life. And so the opening question to each of us is, is what kind of a spiritual map were, were you given? Was God involved? If so, what kind of a God? What image was, was he? What, what filters or lenses did you um, survive high school and early, early adulthood on and um, and in many ways this kind of ties to um, the discussion we had um, two weeks ago in, in our worship service where Jody Misty and I um, had some some questions and then yesterday if you missed yesterday's service you better go watch it it's online we had three incredible um, testimonies and really in the context of those, they shared the spiritual map that they kind of received growing up mm-hmm. and, and how they ventured out. And then in a minute, we'll talk about does that map change and how so and stuff. So mm-hmm. who wants to go first? What kind of a spiritual map? We're going to put all the uh, pressure on our special guest to go first <gasps> to get her talking. Go, yes. Kelly. Because uh, uh, she's got like 17 pages of notes over here. So. <laughs> it's your I podcasting. Did. I, made, I, made, I did. I made some notes because um, I, I didn't really know where to go with this, but I can honestly say that. Um, you know, my, my parents instilled in me that, uh, growing up that Jesus loves me and, um, and, and, and I was, I was thankful for that. Um, uh, mom was really good when we, when my sister and I were little about just, you know, singing songs to us and, um, are you taking my picture? They <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to know that because it's not a video it's right now. It's not a video right now. <laughs> but you're just so pretty over there. I want them to there. see behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, just, you know, how, you know, Jesus, that Jesus loved me. And I remember going out in the backyard when I was probably, I don't know, four, you know, maybe younger, three. I don't remember being in school yet. And singing and 
singing, oh, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, and just walking around and singing and singing. And I remember over the fence, you know, the kid next door said, shut up, Kelly. <laughs> and that was and that was just last week. <laughs> so, I'm so sad so, for you. Oh, it was, it was actually, when I think back at it, I remember thinking, oh, I don't think she likes the way I sing. But, um, I mean, I... But I, Jesus I, loves you. But Jesus loves me, and, you know, Jesus loved that kid next door, too. Um, but... Um, I remember, um, you know, uh, music was a big part of the family. Um, Mom had an upright piano, old old piano, and she used to play hymns, and we used to sing. And my sister played the guitar, and we used to sing. Um, and my dad was a huge influence also. Um, we did go to church, um, and um, we uh, there was a Baptist church that was right on the other side of our fence growing up. And so uh, we were going there, and Dad cut a, a gate into our fence so that we could just walk through and go to the Baptist church. And then over the years, um, for whatever reason, multiple reasons, I'm sure, uh, we ended up switching to a Presbyterian church and then to an Assembly of God church. So I've had kind of an interesting background. Um, Baskin of, Robbins. Of things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we would pass the Baskin Robbins on the way to the Presbyterian church. Mm. <laughs> and, um but yeah, it was uh, it was it was very interesting um, growing up, and my parents. So did I'm that thankful through, for that, that through they, those different denominations and stuff. Was the theme still Jesus loves me? I mean, was that a pretty secure message that you carried through most of your childhood? Yeah, I would say so. Um, through my childhood, um, uh, I don't know how deep we want to go with some things um hey, let's so just I'll rip just the lid of, off right now just, whoa, let's okay let's um we're taking the taking the the yeah okay we're opening the band-aid ripping the, yeah. the band-aid off the plunge um, <laughs> so um you know my parents were devout christians my dad traveled a lot with his work and um, mom became friends with um one of my dad's co-workers wives and they were a delightful couple i remember spending lots of time with them actually having dinners together and um, and they always included me, even though I was a kid, but they were involved in a lot of like, um, hocus pocus type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, the mid seventies and I guess that sort of stuff was, was just interesting and cool. Um, you know, um, which I believe Jamie so. would say <laughs> that comes from more of the Catholic tradition. I believe the Corpus Christus or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so a little nod to Jamie. Right. A little nod to Jamie. <laughs> Even though we're mad, Jamie. he's not here. We miss you. <laughs> I thought um, I came from Harry Potter. <laughs> give me at least 15 minutes in before yeah. I reference that. Give him that. a minute. Well, I mean, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, backing up a little bit, mom was very superstitious. Her mother had, even though they were Christians, they had installed a lot of superstition into mom. And so she had passed that on to, you know, to me and to my sister. Um, and I, by the way, I do have permission from my sister to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about this, although I'm not going to try and tell her story because that's her story. Um, but, um, you know, stuff like black cats crossing your path mm-hmm. and um, tossing spilled salt mm-hmm. over your shoulder. Which Walking shoulder under a ladder. Walking under a ladder, which yeah. actually just is not safe. So <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to talk bad about it. Luck. <laughs> right. It's not safe. It's just, it's a, right. Forget the bad luck. That's just Sometimes not a safe practice. there's just practice. practicality there. And Common sense. <laughs> you know how I feel about ladders anyway. So, um, and then when she became involved in all this kind of more mystical stuff, um, you know, we she brought in crystal balls and pyramid power and palm reading. And while all that was just fun, probably for her, she probably just looked at that as being fun. The superstition part was real. 
So, I mean, she really would get upset if we didn't go along with that. Mm. So, um, whereas the other stuff, it was, you know, but being a, I mean, I, I plead that I was just a kid and didn't know. And so, you know, it was, um, I, you know, just kind of went along, but it did cause a little bit of confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, did you believe being like, what age are you talking here? that you were well I was raised I was raised with superstition okay. um I was raised with the you know the black cat crossing you know mm-hmm. crossing your path mm-hmm. um and um I remember seeing fear mm-hmm. um because those were things she really believed mm-hmm. if you didn't do the things to well and how does, off the evil. how does that <laughs> yeah. for you um and I don't know we feel like we're just interviewing Kelly right now <laughs> but it's been fun for you what did that do to the message of Jesus loves yeah, me how did that yeah because that mm-hmm. almost sounds dissonant and and Jesus loves me however but I'm gonna believe in superstition uh it just kind of went hand in hand in our house Mm -hmm. um I really didn't see um any difference between Jesus loves me and that's very powerful and I knew that and um and um and I I better be careful if a black cat crosses um you know crosses my path they were they were winning kind of one in the same in a lot of ways my dad did not believe that way mm-hmm. but he was gone a lot mm-hmm. so um uh and it just kind of was there it really right. wasn't until i was um much later well and you if you that, didn't know a difference before mm-hmm. you really yeah. didn't know the difference then until right uh, later. Well, and i think you that's the thing is, as children we interpret because m- mine i'll go into in a minute was was similar you you hear the message right. verbally mm-hmm. but then it's the context around yes. it that can even shape and warp what that message means. Right. I mean, it's kind of like for some people, um, the the um, abused wife syndrome. Mm-hmm. But he loves me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he beats me because to. he loves me, yeah, he yeah. and and it creates a secondary message which isn't always healthy. Joni, what about you? Mm-hmm. I want to hear about your childhood. <laughs> How deep do you want to go? <laughs> um, I, we grew up. And I say we, there were four of us, and just a pretty close-knit family. And even though my sisters were older than my brother and I, like, they never really left home. Like, we still were the we, um, like, compound and everything people called it. But um, Still. Kind of. We're, we're a half mile apart now, okay? That's oh, a long way. Kingdom long. now, maybe <laughs> we can. Maybe. Um, but we went to this little church, and the church did family well the church did fellowship well like your needs were their needs and um we shared that with the families there almost sounds biblical so um (laughs) it it was a great place I think I was confused though like I became a Christ follower at seven and I remember that well and I remember the um just the ladies pouring into me um lots of biblical truth but I do remember like there being specific roles for women and specific roles for men mm-hmm. and um that stuck with me um and I believe that's one up. of the topics we'll cover in one of our upcoming episodes mm-hmm. it's on the list somewhere I'm looking forward to that one it'll be fun um sorry so there's <laughs> there are specific roles and so I do remember that clearly like there were there were the things that the girls couldn't do and and I was kind of a tomboy. I liked to fish. I liked to hunt. Not fish so much, but I did enjoy the lake. But um, but definitely liked to hunt. And so that was just, that was weird that there were roles in the church that I couldn't do or, mm. like, couldn't say, had to hold your tongue. But then, but in life, those those boundaries were a little bit different. I don't know. Um, 
But then um, just growing up, going to youth, we switched to another church, followed a pastor to another church, and, and he was a great, great guy and still a great guy. And um, he actually did my dad's funeral, which was, mm-hmm. was which was really neat. But um, he, um, but we went to another church in Austin, and um, like being a teenager through that whole True Love Waits movement was, mm. like that was rough. That was a whole lot of um, like never feeling you could ma- measure up. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you had to check the boxes on Sunday, but whatever you did through the week didn't really matter because you weren't going to ever measure up. Um, Mm. and I carried a lot of that with me Mm -hmm. and went to a small Christian college, which still felt like it was a whole lot of box checking. Mm -hmm. Like, did you go to chapel? Did you do this? Did you do that? And, um, did you still feel like you had a specific role as a woman or at that point were you already starting to see that, you know what? I am a woman, but I still can do these things. Hear me roar. That's right. right. Um, I felt like, um, you know, my senior year in high school, I really felt called to the ministry, but I felt like my only option at that point was, like, missionary field. Mm -hmm. Like, that was it. And I really, even going into college, I remember, like, talking to the academic counselor, like the advisors, and not even telling them about my really call to the ministry because I was a like, mm-hmm. because I was a girl. You mm-hmm. almost like, knew what they were gonna say. Like, yeah. sorry, yeah. like, yeah. class is full. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, so I went into teaching, which you know that that's also a missionary field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but um, but I feel like a lot of that was just because mm-hmm. like I didn't know what that would could look like. I had never seen a woman in a like a, that kind of role before, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can work with the kids, but that's it. Like right. once they become teenagers, it. there's a certain limit. Then you like start, yeah. once they really start to think, mm, your nope. wisdom only goes so far. That's yeah. right. Like, <laughs> oh nope, sorry. Let's let the men take over. Yeah. Exactly. And so about that, um, I really don't feel like. <laughs> I, I feel like it wasn't until actually we came to fellowship and I could see those things. But um, when Daryl was the youth minister back in the day um, long time ago <laughs> I volunteered with him a lot and it was through like I feel like those are my intern years I call them <laughs> um, I feel like though through that is when I really like started to understand who God really was mm-hmm. like the the um, just it's not a bunch of boxes to check it's mm-hmm. it's so much like we make it so difficult and God just has come to me like just come to me like mm-hmm. as you are come to me like yeah. so. well and mm-hmm. i'll piggyback off of yours because mine was very similar you know i grew up in a, in a good church good people people that i'm still you know know and close to and could depend on today and the but the, but the same thing is the message is always god loves you that's the overarching good news however or but but yeah i was gonna say unless but. you're fall into this category or for me it was like you know i was grew up in the baptist church where you know ba- the the don't don't drink don't cuss don't dance don't go with girls that do you know that was like the mantra and and so it was a very confusing message because like you were talking it creates shame it creates mm-hmm. this i'm not enough on the flip side it can also create a lot of arrogance because you think well i'm not if if you are not doing those things which it's weird from church to church the list often changes mm-hmm. it's whatever seems to fit that group what or are the things they're not struggling with even right. um just even just the decades like i remember mm-hmm. don't go to that movie like mm-hmm. what if jesus was sitting by you in that movie uh, mm-hmm. 
would he laugh at that joke? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> oh, I went, gosh. You know, Talk don't about listen to that rock and roll. Shame. You know, we, we referenced a few weeks ago in one of our conversations, Bill Gothard. I mm-hmm. think he came up on a podcast. I went to a Bill Gothard seminar as a teenager with a few people from my church and with my family. And I was in high school. I was maybe a junior, maybe even a senior. And I was had thrived in this environment of, you know, I didn't party, I didn't drink, I didn't do anything but go to church all the time. And I had Christian cassettes. I know some of you don't know what those are, but Christian cassettes. <laughs> Google it. Um, but all I had was, you know, it was like my first one was gifted to me. It was like the Imperials. And if you know who that is, I'll give you a quarter. But the Imperials and Michael W. Smith, the early years, and Amy Grant and Wayne Watson, and I'm dating myself here. But I started to get a little edgier because I kind of like rock and I like the grunge and stuff. And so I had Petra. Petra. Speaking of rock, Petra means rock, but it was Christian rock. And I kid you not, all of their songs, almost all of them had scripture in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like about as cheesy and, and wholesome as it could be. But I say all that to say, I went to this Bill Gothard seminar and you talk about checking the boxes and hoop jumping. I was so, and I want to say convicted, but really I was more shamed into the music I was listening to that I went home and he, Bill Gothard was one of these big guys. You don't just throw it away. You don't just sell it. You destroy Burn it. it. Yeah. I went home <clears throat> and I cut the tape on the cassettes and then I put them in our little 50 gallon trash burning drum Mm -hmm. and I put gas on them and I burned them I burned Christian cassettes because I and to tie into your your supernatural um, uh, superstition he would teach and tell these stories like this family had this teenager who had this fever and they were deathly sick and they couldn't the doctors didn't know what it Mm. was and i went to their house and they had rock posters on their wall and so we burned them and burned all the music and miraculously they got better that is terrible and so he's borrowing the foreskin story right there (laughs) it's it really it really messes with your head especially if you're someone who wants to do the right thing it just shows you how easily you can be baited into that kind of kind of thinking Mm -hmm. so for me my spiritual map was God loves you as long as you stay inside the lines. Mm-hmm. And the lines weren't always clearly defined. They sometimes were, but like you said, with the purity culture and the true love weights. And so I grew up with a lot of pride and shame. Mm-hmm. It's the pride that, well, I'm better than those people because I'm not doing what they did on the weekend. But is it enough? Mm-hmm. It was never enough. You never could really live when up did to you, it. What age were you when you started to realize that that was not at what all. What year is it? <laughs> the way like five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> no, honestly. But seriously, yeah. I mean. I would yeah. say the first moment I dipped my toe into believing God wasn't like that was probably 12, 13 years ago, mm-hmm. 2008, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And I read the heretical book, The Shack. Mm-hmm. And I could not finish it because I thought God was going to be mad at me for reading it Mm -hmm. i was reading the book thinking i shouldn't be reading this as an adult as an adult adult. who'd been in doing ministry for 15 20 years Mm -hmm. um and but that was the that was one of the and one of our questions later is what are some spiritual markers that would probably be a very big spiritual marker because that was one of the first times that i began to believe maybe god is not who i've grown up to 
think he was kind of yeah. like what you said. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was the spiritual map that I'm, I'm still unraveling to mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. Missy, what about you? And I think like Joni said, you know, last Sunday morning, you know, I think sometimes in the back of our minds, we think, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost there and I'm going to get there. And once I get there, things are going to be so much better. And, mm-hmm. but there's never a there. There's yeah. There. Our journey yeah. continues on and on and on. And we mm-hmm. continue to learn and learn and learn because God's word is alive and it's active and awesome. Um, well, mine is a little bit different. Um, I definitely did not grow up in a tight knit family. I envy Joni. I know we, we joke and laugh and talk about the compound, but when I was a little girl, that was my dream. You know, I would watch, Brady Bunch and Father mm. Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver and all those shows and just wish that that was my life, you know, because I just, I, I wanted that so badly. Um, my parents divorced when I was little. I was, well, I say little, I was in sixth grade. Um, still the, the, still the, the best that's, time that's to go little. through that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was terrible. Of course, they had had problems before that. And while they were married, the the twelve years they were married, it was it was really up until the very end, or you know, last couple of years, it was pretty. I mean, my dad worked hard. He was a welder. He made good money. My mom stayed home. She was, you know, the mother at, at home that did the cooking and the cleaning. And I was in ballet and Girl Scouts. Oh, there's your Leave It to Beaver right that, there. That was it, yeah. you know. And it lasted for maybe you know a few years. Uh, past that, it was just they divorced, and my mom kind of went on this excursion where she was out doing a lot of crazy things and my brother and I were left at home alone a lot and so we kind of had to fend for ourselves um I'm thankful like I'd mentioned Sunday morning my little aunt she it was my mom she's my mom's sister she's the one that took me to church she was a devout is a devout Christian and so she would take me to church when she was able to and through Sunday school and VBS um I learned you know, who Jesus was and who God mm-hmm. is and, and those things. And um, I've got a c- my couple of my cousins that um, helped me, you know, in those areas kind of learn by just the things they would say and the things they would tell me and not just their words, but also, you know, the way they live their lives. I could see who that Jesus was real and God was real. And so growing up, you know, I, I did a lot of crazy things and gotten, you know, just some stuff and but the whole time things were going on in my life I knew who God was Mm -hmm. and I still had those convictions even though I I was not born again and Jesus was not my personal savior I still knew who he was yeah and thinking should I really be doing this you know of course the answer is no but um it sounds like more like Daryl had shame but yours sounds more like a reminder of hey when you get finished with Yes. When you get come to the end of yourself, look, I'm still here. Like, you still Absolutely. had those reminders. It sounds completely different. Yes. And that's basically, you know, kind of what I had written in my notes when I came to the end of myself. And um, it was after I had my, my first son, and I knew that, you know, my life couldn't continue the way it was. I had to change. And um, when I was married to, to my boy's dad, he you know, we had a lot of friends, and we would go out, and all these things, and then after I, you know, we started going to church, and I was saved, you know, we had to stop all that stuff, and, well, I did, and, 
you know, we lost a lot of friends and it was tough. It was hard because I had to make some, some tough yeah. choices, you know, because when you step away from that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, all your friends, so-called friends, you know, now it's a personal attack against them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're too good now. Yeah. Or what, you're now, you go to church, so you can't go out, you know, those kinds of things. It was tough. It was yeah. hard because, um, you know, you're still young. Mm-hmm. I was 20 years old, 22 years old. And so, but anyway, after that, you know, the Lord just started working in my life. And not that it's been easy, because it has not. You know, I think once we're saved, people automatically think, well, I'm a Christian now. Everything's going to be, you know, hunky-dory and easy. But it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Mm -hmm. And our, you know, the calling that the Lord has on our lives is, it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. And so, and kind of like Daryl, I can remember a specific time that, you know, God said, okay, you know, this is it. We're going to, we're going to do something different. <laughs> well, and we've mentioned the end of self, and that's one of my favorite phrases um, because it's one of those that when you're there, you know you're there. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're not sure, you're probably not there. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but the end of yeah. ourself looks different for everyone, for, for everyone because for me, and this is where I could, what are we, 25 minutes in, this is where I can throw in my Enneagram comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had Harry Potter, now it's <laughs> The the end of self for a, for an Enneagram three who is a performer who learns to be a professional hoop jumper um, is failure. You have to fail uh, in a way that you can't spin, that you can't cover up, you can't fix. Where it's just it's out there, and you just have to be at the mercy of grace, really. Mm-hmm. And I had a very defining moment at a Starbucks where I was just wallowing and in guilt and shame because you're already feeling shame because you're never enough and then you really fail you're like well gosh I just blew it all Mm -hmm. and then I just had this encounter with Jesus in a Starbucks where it was like in the midst of the pig pen so to speak um, I don't know how to portray it but he conveyed to me unconditional love mm-hmm. and acceptance mm-hmm. where I was wanting to say, but why mm-hmm. don't you see me? And it was like, Oh, don't you know who you're dealing with that's here? That's the point. <laughs> God, is do you I know? was trying to earn this favor <laughs> with him. And he was like, I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing there, but yeah. you're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, that was the end of myself. And that was the beginning really of this, this journey into really reshaping how I see God. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, I can say intellectually, okay, now I see God is this when he was this, but you've got a lifetime of habits and knee-jerk reactions to situations where you may have to go through a hundred of those and realize I'm still reacting to the performance shame. Mm-hmm. I've got to risk believing that he's not that God and try to do it different, and then he starts to kind of prove himself faithful, mm-hmm. and it's a slow it's a slow process of, of rebuilding um, a whole and new type of faith when you yeah. had a faith your whole life, you thought, so to speak. Yeah. Exactly. And, and exactly. you did. Like, I think sometimes our, no, I think all the times, um, our our faith at seven is what a seven-year-old can handle. And right. our faith at 10 is what a 10-year-old, like it's a 10-year-old faith, you know, that mm-hmm. you never arrive. It's interesting to me that you said you came to the end of yourself when you feel like you had failed I feel like I'm a two, um, and I can't, like the end of myself is when I can't help anymore, mm. and 
I just now like that just now clicked like like mm-hmm. if you said when was the end of yourself when I can no longer help when I I know that it's not me that can help right you can't mm-hmm. fix I can't the fix person it. you can't fix it yeah so you got to leave it there it's interesting well that kind of transitions us closer to the to the next topic which was how have your maps evolved and changed you know we've kind of touched on some of that mm-hmm. Kelly you were getting I think leading up to that but um I've shared extensively how mine has shifted in the last 15 years or so. What about y'all? How, how has it changed? And if so, how? Well, I think, um, the, the, probably the beginning of my change, well, it was a slow change. We won't talk about my college years. (laughs) um, Is that your DJing years as well? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's the name? I always forget. Come on. Come on. No, I never liked it to begin with, so we're just gonna just we're just gonna leave it there. If you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like it was DJ for like thirty seconds. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, my. Uh, let me try. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to gather my words together. The um, I that's, had to go that's, through. That's our every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The um, the the superstition part of my life. I had to, I had to give a. I had to give that over to God, and and actually, my sister um, and I talked about it extensively. We both did. Um, I think around the same time frame, we probably did. Um, that the Holy Spirit just put it on our hearts that this was not something that needed to be in our lives. Mm-hmm. That that He, that God, is bigger than anything. God is bigger than the black cat. The cat, cat black cat's just trying to cross the street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that the the salt over the shoulder is just making a mess in your kitchen. And it can um, potentially get in your eyes. Yes. And right. And that, that hurts. hurts. That does. That stings. I <laughs> know. My brother blew salt in my eye one time. Oh. <laughs> he is not a nice person. Oh, oh and he's he was been called out today <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> All four of you heard it. Um, so um, I think after that is when I, I feel like the Lord really started working in my life. Um, and it it brought me to several, several places. Um, and I, I moved around a lot. John's job moved us a lot. And I moved around a lot with um, actually as a kid too, um, I changed schools many different times, lived overseas for a little while. So as far as having like that anchor of a church that Joni was talking about earlier, um, and having a pastor that you were able to grow with is just, um, I can't even imagine honestly what that had to have been like. Um, so a lot of what I was doing was just trying to grasp at things. Um, I had gone back to church when I was a teenager, and that was actually when I finally gave my life over to the Lord. Um, a girlfriend of mine from my childhood invited me to go to Wednesday night services, and um, and that was just a really wonderful, wonderful thing that she did for me to invite me to go to church. And because my parents, we couldn't go on Sundays, so I was going on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays were really important in my life um, at that point. But um, I started going to when I started seeing the Lord work in my life um, and having me like talk to other people and branch out a little bit was um, well into the first few years of my marriage with, with John. And, um, and we started going to a little church, little local church. And that was where I started. We started planning our seeds, but then we moved. 
and then we would move. And so, and then I had, we started planting our seeds again and trying to see where, you know, what, where God or God was planting the seeds in us, trying to see where he was going to, you know, use us. But he was, John was traveling a lot. So it was me trying to figure it out. So I don't know. I think I've kind of talked myself into a circle. What was our original question? <laughs> Just how, how, it, how your shifted? spiritual map has changed or yeah. evolved. How's it shifted? Um, well, it, I think that's how the Lord started showing me different places that I could I could use my gift um, and or a gift. And so I started working with children, um, and uh, I did that for a long time, and that that trans um, that ended up putting me in several different places we lived in Michigan for a while that put me at a church there and um that um uh, and I was able to serve in a role there that I never thought I would ever be qualified for um even though it was for a very short period of time um it was still very um uh, influential in my life um and uh that was part of that that's part of that map Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Um, I think it's super interesting how, you know, when we give ourselves a few minutes to kind of think back, I kind of read over these questions um, yesterday evening, and I was just kind of thinking about what I was going to say. And some of these I really had to struggle with to to pinpoint, you know, what, you know, to Mm -hmm. an explanation. And, you know, I grew up in a church that my because growing up you know my mother it's ironic because she had been raised in church all her life her parents were very faithful and taking her and her you know seven siblings to church every every week and but then my mom didn't go to church and she didn't take me and my brother to church which is crazy um but the church I went to with my little aunt until Greg and I were married you know, they didn't have a youth, and so Greg and I, we moved because our children needed a youth group and needed other children and kids and stuff, and, um, you know, children's Sunday school classes and all that, and the pastor that I had there at our new church um, started talking about grace and the grace of God, and the very first um, series when we got there, it was, how do you know God's will for your life, and I thought, hmm, Mm -hmm. and listening through that, i because our old pastor, he was older and he was amazing, but he didn't preach on a lot of God's grace. And so at that moment, I'm an adult, you know, I'm, I'm remarried, I have children. And so that to me was like, wow, this is who Jesus is. And then it all kind of made sense because I knew before, you know, um, being saved and, and, and knowing who he was, you know, growing up, this Knowing his grace, that was just a game changer for me. And that's really when my relationship with the Lord became personal. Well, my favorite definition of grace is God doing for us something that we can't do for ourselves with no expectation of repayment. Yes. Because when God does something so often, we think, well, I've, I've even got to just say thank you. And it's like, no, that's not grace. If you add anything to it, it's, it's not, not grace. It's not grace. Mm-hmm. But we have such a hard time in our culture, in our world, and especially as Americans, to want to do right Mm -hmm. and you know even for me growing up it's a personal relationship it's Mm -hmm. a personal relationship but it should look exactly like this yes (laughs) it's like saying you know marriage is unique to each couple but they should all look look the same well and coming out of a divorce you know I had a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of shame and now 
I know that all that was so that I'm able to help other people now, you know, and that the Lord has us go through these things so that we can minister to other people. Well, and the church reinforces the guilt and shame by saying uh, another boundary, another hoop that, you Mm -hmm. know, here's all the reasons divorce is wrong. Exactly. um, You shouldn't do it or whatever, rather than it's a personal relationship with God about grace, which Mm -hmm. means he comes into our life. Mm Mm-hmm. And walks us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. And can bring beautiful things out of it. But we make it, it's grace to get saved, but it's almost like it's works to follow. Because now you have to do your devotions. You have to join a church. You have to be a part of a small group. Mm -hmm. You have to to do missions once a year. Mm -hmm. Not that any of those things are wrong, but again, it becomes... Uh, uh, motivated right. by here's the hoops you're supposed to jump, jump through, through rather yeah. than how can God take I mean look at the Bible stories of what Jesus took broken people mm-hmm. and and healed them and mm-hmm. gave them grace and loved them and offered them something he didn't then say now go look like all these other people exactly. or go do this what he did in their life was going to was going to multiply just because of who they knew and mm-hmm. where they lived and, and their mm-hmm. personality and stuff. And we, we attach so much to grace that I don't think is there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, for me, I feel like um, a real turning point was when my dad died in 2014 um, because um, mom and dad were good together. Like, they're good together. And suddenly, like, what I felt like was God and family and all of these things that were all tangled up, like everything kind of unraveled. And I realized like I had been borrowing a lot of my faith from my parents and mm-hmm. from my family. And, and, um, like it was borrowed faith. It was a, Hey, like we're the Spillman clan. So this is who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, and so much of that was borrowed and I just had to untangle and untangle the, the God being my father and my dad being my father. And there was so much that was just, it was tangled together and I didn't realize it. Like I didn't realize how much it was tangled, like worshiping the family rather than worshiping God. And um, the, 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 the writer of the shack, Paul Young, uh, I had listened to a lot of his videos and YouTubes and stuff. He talks about spiritually kind of doing what you're talking about almost like a balled up piece of tinfoil mm-hmm. is that you're trying to unroll mm-hmm. it right and you got it it's careful and and it's got all these these crinkles and things in it and it's a slow meticulous process of how or even tangled wire of how that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and and i think what we want to say well just trust jesus and all of a sudden you're this foil is going to mm-hmm. go back to, right. to flat or whatever and it's yeah. not it's and a it's a ball of crinkle Mm -hmm. and you're always changed like no matter how you try to straighten that out you're still changed Mm -hmm. um from it and just untangling um thought distortions that i had from growing up and untangling those things as an adult you know what does this look like what does this look like for raising my own kids what does this look like for my walk with jesus and Mm -hmm. um i just remember being super tangled up and i think that's how i describe those years and there were several years that i was just super tangled up like um went on antidepressants um just couldn't function in life there are other things happening you know as far as job related and trying to raise kids and and um, be a good wife and, and check all of the, the things. And I just couldn't understand why 
like during those years like where 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 are you god mm-hmm. come on like yeah. i know you're here somewhere and um searching for him trying to check the boxes and and not being able to hear from him and um and then one day in a sunset when i was in the deer stand like god's like it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i'm here mm-hmm. and don't you like, love that it's your own this I mean, is your faith yeah this yeah. is your walk yeah. you know it's Were you not by yourself I've got you. i was by myself yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I found that that's very important yeah. for me too. That I, I have to have time alone. Mm-hmm. Have to have time alone. Mm-hmm. And I don't usually have time alone. Mm-hmm. But yeah. well, and time alone is probably difficult for you too as a two because mm-hmm. so much of your identity is tied into relationships. Mm-hmm. Right, and so much, and I didn't even realize, you know, at that point, I didn't realize what even a two was. Well, and I imagine <laughs> when you're alone, you're probably still thinking, "Is Anne Marie okay? How can I go, mm-hmm. Lauren? You know, all these mm-hmm. things you're thinking about yeah. those people." Like what, and especially like so much of my identity was tied to my family Mm -hmm. and not realizing like I have this, this self identity and I just, there are so many things that I had to untangle Mm -hmm. and that God's still showing me, you know, like Mm -hmm. who I am and who I am in him and, and just constantly showing me the, the grace of, of, uh, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so many times I remember looking at pastors thinking, oh, look, they got it all figured Mm -hmm. out. Which, Uh, which, um, I don't. Yeah. You know. Except Jamie. Of course Jamie Jamie does. (laughs) Jamie does have it all figured out. You're not here, so we can say whatever we want. That's right. (laughs) Well, Kelly, you brought up a good point. What what are some spiritual practices, or are there Mm -hmm. some spiritual practices, some things that you've learned to keep yourself sane, I need this? Or are there maybe some verses, some go-to verses that have just kind of been there all along that, that just, when life gets hard, these are the things that, and this is to, you know, you've already said, you need time alone. I what, do. Um, I do need, in order to be able to really, truly hear the, the voice of God or, you know, God talking to me, um, um, I, I do. I need that time you alone. Need space I need space away that, from people. I need, I need space away from people. I need to be able to um, focus and concentrate on him and be in the word. Um, I love Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and, I, and actually, a little, here, I, let me put in a little plug. We're going to be having a women's Bible study starts next week. Um, you have uh, two, actually three, three opportunities to mm-hmm. join in Bible study mm-hmm. if you are a woman um, at our church. But... Um, I, I do. I get so much out of um, out of studying, but I'll be honest with you. I do have problems studying by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I need that time away and alone, I also need time with people. Mm-hmm. I need I need my 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 Christian, you know, brothers and sisters around me to to help me um, be able to decipher the what it is that I'm 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 learning. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm I'm my prayer time and when I'm really struggling through things i just need that time alone to be able to refocus and that's when i I find that i hear the voice of god um the strongest as far as scripture is concerned um i do have um a case of the i don't want us a lot um in my life and i I hope i'm not alone in that but um i have the i don't want us a lot when it comes to just about anything um i'm kind of stubborn and um and but the one one of the verses that stands out to me a lot is the uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Um, that usually like kind of that's the kind of the the kick that I need a lot of times that I have to remember I need to be with my brothers and sisters. And it's like, well, I don't want to do this, um, but 
then I also know that I need to do this. That's mm-hmm. that stubbornness. I have others too, but that one I'll just leave there. Right. Right. So no, so we're, so we're not going too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, growing up, you know, um, after my mom and dad divorced, you know, my mom went out a lot and she was, you know, partying and doing all these things. And so my brother, he was, he's four years older than me. So he was already into high school. He was driving. He wasn't home a lot. So I felt a lot of responsibility and I felt like I had to be, I had to take care of my mom. I had to make sure the bills were paid. I had to make sure I had to be the parent. So Mm -hmm. I lost, I feel like a lot of my, my not little bitty childhood, but growing up, I felt like I lost a lot of my junior high years and high school years and so I spent a lot of time with um one of my very best friends we've known each other since we were four years old I spent a lot of time at her her house with her and her family which helped me tremendously know kind of what a family supposed to be like and um so for me I know I have control issues I've got a lot of control issues and um so one of my favorite scriptures is um uh, let's see where I write it down Matthew 16 15 where Jesus is talking to the um, disciples and he says but who do you say that I am Mm -hmm. and so you know many many times in my life when I've been worried and upset and just scared or irritated annoyed and just like you know I can't you want me to do what I can't do that Mm -hmm. and I hear him so clearly in my head say Misty who do you say that I am do you trust me do you trust me? And so for me, that one sticks out. I have a lot, but that's that's one of my favorites because um, I do have a hard time letting things go and letting him have control over thinking I have to be the one to, if it if this doesn't get, if I don't take care of this, it's not going to get done. And, st- and and I have no control over it. Some yeah. things I absolutely have no control over. So um, over the years, I've learned that um you know, you have to give it to him. And like Joni said, you yeah. can't do it all. At some point when you get to the end of yourself, I can't do it, you know, mm-hmm. so. And it's sometimes in those storms, no, it's all the time in those <laughs> storms that you can't see that you're like, oh, I'm in a storm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's from the outside that someone sees, oh, wait, hang on, they're in a storm. Like, right. yeah. Like we might want to tell them they're in a storm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Hello. Storm here. Yes. Um, I love First Thessalonians. There's a lot that I love, but um, and I love there's there's a lot, but First Thessalonians is one that sticks out um, to me. Um, First Thessalonians. I said that. Did I? Did you said it great the first time. I was really impressed because I don't know that I can even say it. First Thessalonians 14 says, "And we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all." And I think that is just such a like, that's who we are in the church. That's who we are with among other people. But it goes on to say, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Love it. And I just, uh-huh. you know, it reminds you who you are as a church and who you are as a collection of believers, like capital C Church. But, mm-hmm. um, but also who he is for us, you mm-hmm. know, like it's not a, it's not a borrowed faith. It's right. a, you, Joni, pray without ceasing. Yes. You, Joni, you know, rejoice. You know, and that's very helpful and beneficial is when we put our own personal names in there, 
because the, mm-hmm. the word is for us yeah. it, as each individual believer of, of Jesus. So putting our name in there, I love that. Yeah. And knowing, Making it personal. Mm-hmm. Like there's things that I've read when I was younger and I thought, oh yeah, like I get that story. But then when you read it again and you're older or you mm-hmm. read it again in a different season of your life, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. Ruth and Naomi is one of those. Like reading it again, oh wait, hang on, like, and you may be a different character right. at a different time, just depending on, yeah, what you're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it is re- amazing how the scripture changes. Sure. Um, as, as you grow older, like um, you had mentioned before, when you were seven, mm-hmm. um, you said that, right, Misty? That when you were seven, the Lord is, no, Joni. Joni. That, that when you're seven, the Lord brings, you know, that you're a Christian the best the best belief system you can have as a right. seven-year-old and it grows and the scripture mm-hmm. seems to grow with us sure. mm-hmm. in that way Absolutely. and i just i love that it is such it is the, it's i mean it is the living word it know? is <laughs> that's right well and, uh, and i like that practice of putting your name in it that mm-hmm. is that's beautiful as much as we don't like to admit it we bring our um, prejudices to scripture mm-hmm. which are often prejudices that someone else taught us and you talk about scripture changing. <clears throat> For example, I was searching here. Some of the verses um, that keep coming back to me are, are verses that have to do with being still, being silent, um, things like that. Like you were talking about, you need time alone. I need stillness. Now, I need it, but I'm not very good at doing it mm-hmm. because I'm always wanting to achieve and therefore time with God can just become another achievement. Mm -hmm. It's not about actually engaging. It's about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough to either impress him or to feel like I did the thing? And for me, it's often God saying, I want you to sit there and do nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to read. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you. I want you to realize I'm still God, even if you don't accomplish anything. But uh, you mentioned scripture changing in Genesis, the story of um, Abraham and Isaac <clears throat> um, taking, I, you know, God asking um, Abraham to take Isaac up and sacrifice him. Um, after all is said and done, in, in verse 14, it says Abraham is going to call the place the Lord will provide. And that one has always stuck with me um, because as someone who feels like it's always my responsibility to achieve, to get the thing done, it's a reminder that, that no... God is better at doing that than, than I am. There are times when it's my responsibility to produce or to do the thing. But for me, that story was always preached as God was testing Abraham to see how faithful he was going to be and if he would actually sacrifice Isaac. Mm-hmm. And then once he raised the knife, he passed the test, and so God said, stop. That's the way I would always heard that verse. It makes sense if you grow up in a culture that's telling you, you have to earn God's favor, mm-hmm. and he's going to constantly test you. Well, I've come to hear that taught in different ways, to realize that in the context of the world that they lived in, there were lots of gods that people worshipped, mm-hmm. and all of them wanted sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And if the rain didn't come or the harvest didn't come, maybe you need to sacrifice more. Maybe more than grain. Maybe you needed to sacrifice an animal. Maybe more than an animal. Maybe you need to sacrifice your firstborn. And so they lived in a world where sacrifice was the norm. And what you see here is when God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac to Abraham, that would not have been a far-fetched mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. This is the only God who's ever spoken to someone, but he's actually proving that he wants to sacrifice. And then when he stops him, 
what I've come to, the way I've come to, to, to hear this passage is God is saying, now listen, I want you to get something. All those other gods that you people are worshiping, I'm the real God and I'm not like that. I don't need your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to sacrifice your son. I'll, pro- I'll provide the sacrifice. And so you've got two polar opposites of way the way that one passage mm-hmm. is taught based on am I trying to earn God's favor or am I trying to trust that God is the provider? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of some stuff that I've listened to all of these Bible sto- stories all my life, mm-hmm. and then I have kind of this really upheaval in my life 10, 12, 13 years ago, and now I'm having to revisit all of these things mm-hmm. and hear them in a totally different way. And on one hand, it's enlightening and exciting, and on the other hand, it's discouraging to think, wow, how sad mm-hmm. the image of God that I carried for, for so long is this demanding, distant, hard-to-please, angry God who loved me. Yeah. You know, it was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember one time in a podcast, you said you used to think, when did God get saved? Like, (laughs) did he, you know, like when between, because here we read the Old Testament, God's so mean and so hateful and, you know, and just, and, you know, when, you know, and then here we have like peaceful Jesus and, you know, they're the same. So they're not. And that's the hard thing, you know, know, in children's ministry, especially, you know, we're in the Old Testament now and we're referring to God and the Lord. But then you still want to implement Jesus in there as well. And right. that's confusing. And mm-hmm. I never thought about that before I started working with the kiddos here. That, you know, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so to make those differences and make sure they understand, you know, mm-hmm. who is who in the Trinity is is huge. And having so. a safe place where they can ask those questions. Yes, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really important. Um, yeah. I had a kiddo the other day say, is it okay to ask this question? And I was like, yes, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But just untangling something like, why did you say it this way? Or why mm-hmm. do you pray this way? Or why do you, you know, and you want them to ask those questions. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. something unique to fellowship is that we as not just in the children or youth, mm-hmm. but just we as people, we feel like it's okay to ask those questions. Sure. Well, I think uh-huh. questions uh, make those in authority feel like um, they might lose control mm-hmm. if they don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in a situation where if you had a question, you were either given this is the answer mm-hmm. or you just need to have faith. Don't worry about oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You Trust very God. you very rarely <laughs> heard, you know, I don't know, that's a great one. Let's let's mm-hmm. explore Spear it. it let's find out. Let's ask God. Mm-hmm. It it was questions you learned very quickly. Mm-hmm. Either there was an answer or you shouldn't ask them. Yeah. And you were yeah. stupid for not already knowing the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. that definitely <laughs> gosh, how could you ask that? You don't you know. know that? Yeah. So I tried to be pretty um, clear with, with my own children. Um, that, you know, because when, when you're growing up, you do think your parents probably know everything. Um, and, you know, then there comes that time and that My time kids in do not life. think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably when they were little, little uh, bitties, maybe. you know, when they were little bitties. But then they come, there comes that point in their, in their life when they look at you and realize that you don't know everything. And I've always tried to be very clear with them that, you know, I don't, I don't know everything. So please, you know, if you've asked me a question, just give me that, you know, Give me that moment to be mm-hmm. able to to find out what that answer is, because um, uh, I I might not know off the top of my mind off the mm-hmm. top of my head, but I'm willing to go and do that research and find out yeah. what it is, what what how I how is the best way for me to approach this? And, well, and questions invite connection. Mm-hmm. They invite relationship. Right. If there's mm-hmm. there's 
you know, questions are bad or there's always an answer, it kind of keeps space between the two people. But if I ask a question, I don't know, but I'd, I'd love to research it with you or right. find it out. It creates a sense of safety and, and curiosity mm-hmm. um, as far as um, connecting together and, and, and not being afraid, mm-hmm. I guess, to be curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some victories, mountaintop experiences, as Henry Blackaby would say, mm-hmm. spiritual markers, um, looking back on your your life, things that stand out as, and we've referenced, y'all mentioned many of them already, but are there any others that kind of just were defining mm-hmm. moments along your journey, maybe a uh, fork in the road or a, a U-turn or something on the map that um, is just kind of like, yep, that was significant. You mentioned your, your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you mentioned having kids. Um, you've mentioned several things that just, <laughs> re- no, I just, <laughs> Black cats in the road. Black cats in the road. Uh, But these spiritual markers throughout life that um, stick with us. I think coming on staff here was a big one for me. Like, I I really did fight against God's pull towards that for for quite a while. Like, Daryl was kind of sitting in this, eh, this is what I'm called to, but we'll just sit in here for a while and see (laughs) what happens kind of thing. But I think I really did fight against you know that God really did want me in that spot and that I was free from all of those that like this is my own faith and I was free from all of that that I had carried for so long but um and that I wasn't gonna mess things up I think you know a lot of times we think oh like it's bad enough that I messed up my own faith but I'm gonna (laughs) mess it up for somebody else (laughs) and I remember that with my own kids too like "Eh, I'm gonna mess this up Mm -hmm. but like but being vulnerable that, you know, like, we don't always get it right. Like, exactly. we don't always have the answers, but we know we know where to go. That sounds mm-hmm. cliche, but um, but it's true. So I think it's that was definitely a spiritual marker for me. Just, just um, like, you may have been called 20 years ago, but, like, here's mm-hmm. the answer for this with these people, with these, right. um, mm-hmm. like, at this time. And, you know, it's not going to be easy. And then here's 2020 and what? Corona? Yeah. <laughs> like, no like, untangling yeah. all of that. Snowvid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just yes. all um, of the above. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, I think w- the one of the big ones that stands out to me is just Greg and I moving here and how I never – ever thought that that was going to happen because we'd been in Coleman and we had a house full of things and that's where all my family and friends were when he started looking for another job I was like yeah you know go ahead and do that never in a million years thinking it was actually going to happen and then moving here and like I mentioned earlier you know I went through this process of okay I'm here now what am I supposed I was angry you know yeah what do you want me to do because you knew Misty and Coleman. You didn't know Misty yes. and Marble Falls, you yeah. know? It's, and yeah, it's yeah, different. It's uh-huh. different. And I can look back now. I mean, I was grieving. I was grieving those things that I had left behind. And, and I was, like I said, I was angry because I wanted answers. Mm-hmm. And God wasn't answering me. He was just telling me to be still and to wait and to, you know. And so, you know, when we started coming to fellowship and within the first couple of times we visited, I knew that this is ultimately where I was going to be. You know, God told me that. Yay podcasting <laughs> you're like I'm gonna be podcasting <laughs> in that room we didn't even know what a podcast was right? then I would have been what but so um 
yeah, to step into this role is something that I never, ever saw coming. And, but like Joni, I mean, I love, love my job. And I can, although I miss my children, I miss my grandchildren and my family. And I struggle to find the balance and the time to see everybody and, and do all the things. But, you know, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And I know that this is this is what God has for me right now. I think fellowship is a good incubator for people's faith. We've probably all been listening to um, a certain popular podcast uh, <laughs> online uh, these days, and it it highlights a lot of the business side of megachurches mm-hmm. and all of the the drive to do it a certain way and the rules and the staff expectations and the just all the stuff um and uh, as i'm saying that i'm think I'm, I'm almost wanting to say man fellowship's not like that which almost sounds like hey we're just chaotic and disorganized <laughs> we don't have any of that but that's not the case i just think it baked into the dna of this church is more of a <clears throat> a, a um a slowness to not just to decide about things or think this is the mission or the fix or the whatever, mm-hmm. but to let things evolve and let mm-hmm. relationships happen. And everyone who's on staff here has somehow come out of being a part of fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we've had a couple of times where we put listings for jobs and stuff, and no one has ever really, you know, come from other state or another town and moved in to take on a role and myself included and so definitely a spiritual marker for me was um was was coming here because i'd referenced you know my jesus moment in starbucks uh, at the the depth of my that should be a book <laughs> my jesus moment at starbucks jesus starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> but just feeling like such a failure and i was at a point then where i was like i i could be done with ministry you know just vocational ministry it's just like it's time to just let it go and walk away um and and even feeling like damaged goods like i i couldn't ever i'm disqualified Mm -hmm. um uh, for you know i'd I'd not jump through that hoop that i was supposed to for so many so many different ways and we visited we visited on a sunday to see uh, family to have lunch I didn't even, I'll tell you, I didn't even want to be in a church. I was going through a dark place. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to be in church, but we were visiting family to to have lunch. And so we visited, and then uh, that particular service, it was like everyone was so stinking nice. You know, it's just like some of them knew we were Darn friends of fa- or were family and stuff. And so it was kind of a setup a little bit, but it really impacted me mm-hmm. the way people treated me on that initial setting. And then one thing led to another and blah, blah, blah. Someone talked to someone and someone knew that I had ministry experience and talked to the pastor at the time at Homeire and, and he contacted me and I was like, you know what? I'm not in a good place right now. And I don't, he's well, let's have coffee. So he, he met would me. do anything to eat out there. <laughs> <laughs> he met me at a Dairy Queen. I can understand that. And we were sitting having coffee and I just said, look, before you say a word, here's who I am. And I laid it all out there. All the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the, the junk, and um, where I was, and how I was dealing with it, and all this stuff. And, and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, well, I think there's a fine line between coincidence and providence. Hmm. 
and just kind of left it at that. And then, um, why don't you come and lead worship one Sunday? Um, Rick and Kim were doing it at the time. They're gonna be out of town or something. Why don't you just come do it one Sunday? See what happens. Right, well, sucker. Yeah, sucker <laughs> <laughs> me. And I was so I did was not. It. I did not. I was so second guessing everything about myself. Mm-hmm. No confidence whatsoever. And then it's like, well. Um, what if we do it for trial basis for a few months, just do it for a season, see what happens. That conversation in a February of 2010 to March of 2010 turned into a, Hey, come lead worship to the personnel and the finance teams getting together and creating a full-time position, Mm. um, to, to bring me on here. And that was, you know, 11 and a half years ago. Mm. Um, and they took a chance on, what I would say was, was damaged goods. And in that 11 years, I've watched a church of people who knew what it was like to be broken Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to hurt and to struggle and to not be judgmental in that situation. Mm -hmm. And out of this chaos has produced where we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, the staff that we have and, um, just all the goodness that is fellowship. That's what makes you the kind, compassionate man that you are. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that experience right there that you just mentioned, that's, that's where you It humbles you. (laughs) Well, and you did that experience from the, that was the first time I've ever seen that experience done in front of people. Like I've Mm. seen people try to untangle things, but, but for me coming here, um, we were, we came about the same time you were untangling a lot of, a lot of things. And so you did that in a way that, that, um just was like okay you know like we we this is a real place this is these are real people Mm -hmm. like these are like this is safe well and people you know you can tell your testimony and you can and you can encourage people and say things with words but watching watching somebody walk through that Mm -hmm. and go through that but and, and you know watching their reaction to things is I mean that old saying, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what people see. Right. And that's and what people saw. It's yeah. not perfect. It's safe. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like And I think a few years ago we were trying to get a vibe for what, what is fellowships mojo mm-hmm. and the word home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kept mm-hmm. coming up. And I think not just a house or a family, but I think when you think of home, you think of safety. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. You think mm-hmm. of a safe place to, to be yourself. Yeah. It's definitely home here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, though, home these days bring with it so many connotations that, that, um, like, it's more than Intangibles, too. Mm -hmm. Things you just can't put into words. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. a little over an hour here. Um, Anybody have any closing comments or... I've enjoyed. Thank you, Kelly, for oh, joining us today. That was fun. Awesome. Yeah, I kind of rambled fun. on in the beginning, so hey. I got quiet here to the end. So everybody, else look at us. Um, We're all. Have you not listened to the, like the last <laughs> podcast? Hello. <laughs> Just ignore the salt shaker and black cat we put on your desk. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll probably just play with them. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, and we will see you back soon. Make sure that you like and share and do the clicky-clicky things, because um, every clicky-clicky matters. So we Jamie, will. we expect you to say that next time. <laughs> <laughs> clicky-clicky. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. <laughs>